hallelujah. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. Verse 12. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. When you got it, say amen. Can I just say what an honor it is to stand before you? Can I just say that? It's an honor to be here and it's an honor to stand before you. It's amazing what God is doing in this church. It's amazing what God is doing in this house. I see so many faces and so many, so many smiles and so many lives that are being touched and transformed by what God has chose to do in this house. And I am grateful. I'm grateful to stand before you. I'm grateful to run with you in this season because it is a significant season. And I believe we are on the cusp of something. I believe we are on the, the verge of something. We are at the threshold of revival. Come on, somebody. How many can feel it? How many can feel it? Lives are being, I'm telling you, I was at a forge fire this week and there was 74 young people in a house that could fit 30. Come on, somebody. You know when, they, come on, that's something to shout about right there. I'll tell you this, the last time I was in a house with that many people in it and I wasn't drinking tea and, we, and it wasn't a bunch of people having a Bible study. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. God's doing something in this generation and through this house. And it's because of the atmosphere. It's because of the atmosphere. It's, a, it's an atmosphere that welcomes who he is. And so it's an honor to stand before you to deliver the word. And uh, Pastor Kevin, he, we need to pray for him. He is in Texas this morning uh, preaching for Robert Madu. Uh, and I believe that he has a word. And he is a, let me say that he's an apostle. I know people run around. There's, there's a whole bunch of talk right now about cessationism. And that the, he is an apostolic man of God who walks in gifts. Come on, somebody. And, and what's on his life? This nation and the nations of the earth need. And I am grateful that he is, is over and oversees this house. So let's pray for him this morning. But in his absence, uh, you got me. So if you're waiting to hear him, he'll be back next week. But uh, Matthew 11, verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven... Somebody say the kingdom. Say it again louder. Kingdom. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Father, I pray that you would touch my head with a coal. Father, pour oil down my head. Father, I pray right now. Holy Spirit, breathe on me. I need you, Father. I need you right now, God. I need you more than ever, Father. I pray, God, that you would touch my lips with a coal from your altar, that I would profess the oracles of heaven and nothing more. I pray that the atmosphere would be conducive, Father, for a move. I pray, God, that you would, you would soften the heart of every hearer, that the word that comes forth would be deposited in the hearts of the hearer. Father, let it be good soil that it is deposited into, Father. And we give you all the glory, all of the honor, and all of the praise. And everybody in the house said, Amen and Amen. You may be seated. So today I want to talk to you about a topic that I believe is a topic not talked much about in the church at large today. I believe that, I believe that we are missing something in the church of America right now through the nations of the earth, but, but I see it a lot in America. I have traveled the globe over, uh, over all of the years that I have run with Pastor Kevin, and one of the things that we are void of is talk about the kingdom. There's a whole lot of talk about church, churches, church life, church, church groups, home groups, all kinds of stuff, but we don't talk much about the kingdom. And I want you to right now look at your neighbor and I want you to say you're sitting in a kingdom church. You see, this is a kingdom church. This isn't just a church. This is a kingdom church. And there is a difference because there are churches out there that are connected to religion, but we're connected to his kingdom. Come on, somebody. And you see, there's power in the kingdom. There's power, mighty power in the kingdom of heaven. 
And I think and I believe that one of the reasons why we are seeing such an anemic church is because they are not functioning in the revelation of his kingdom. And so today, we're just going to talk a little bit. I hope I can talk a little bit. Wednesday night, I hollered a lot. So tonight, I hope that I can, or this morning, I hope I could talk a little bit. But, but it's important that we understand the concept of his kingdom. It's actually not even a concept. It's a custom. Kingdom customs, because a concept leaves room for, for movement. Uh, it's, a, it's a concept. It's an, a general idea. But a, a custom is, is what it is. It is, and there is no way. You can't shift it. There's no way around it. There's no way to maneuver it, manipulate it. It is what it is. And God, God's kingdom is operated, and you have to function within its customs. Come on, somebody. And so I think it's important for us to talk about this this morning because it's important to know where we're going. Come on, somebody. If you're in this house, look at your neighbor and say, we need to know where we're going. We need to know where we're going. We need to, you're in a kingdom church and you need to know this because if you're looking for a religious church, this isn't it. Okay, this is a kingdom church and in it we'll be exercising the kingdom of heaven because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Come on, somebody. So how many people go to the airport and you walk through the airport and you just wander around, choose a gate and try to get up on that plane, not knowing where it's going? Anybody here? That'd be pretty sad, wouldn't it? You walk through this air, you pack your stuff, you walk through the airport and you go through and you, you're walking through and you just go find some gate somewhere. Uh, then you take the plane train down. How many come on? You go through the plane train, you go up the escalator, you just find the gate and hope that they'll let you on and not even know where you're going. That's why them gate signs are important. I can't tell you how many times it's important to pay attention to those gate signs because last minute they'll go ahead and change them jokers on you and then you'll be wind up going to Toledo when you were supposed to be going to Mexico. Come on, somebody. Supposed to be going to California, supposed to be going over to Madrid, and now you're going to Maine. You're supposed to be going to Hawaii, but now you're going to Hoboken, New Jersey if you're not careful. And ain't nobody want to go to Hoboken, New Jersey. You need to know where you're going. And so once again, look at your neighbor, because got, we got to get this. We have to get this. We are a kingdom church. You're sitting in a kingdom church. Look at your neighbor. You're in a kingdom church. There's a lot of people sitting in churches today not knowing where they're going or what they're supposed to be doing. And it's my responsibility to let you know who we are and what we're doing. These people just show up week after week sitting down at a, a gate for an hour or two singing some songs then leaving the place that should have been preparing and equipping them ultimately leaving the vehicle that should be transporting them to their purpose yet never experiencing the benefits of the citizenship of the kingdom that they are a part of now I just said a lot right there but the fact is is that you are a citizen how many people got faith in the room that Christ died for your sins and yeah he was the only begotten son and when you believe that he was sent here to redeem you and that he died on the cross you are now uh, a child of God and you are in or as a citizen of his kingdom that belief don't make you a citizen of some church, some denomination, some whatever. It don't make, no, you are a citizen of his kingdom. And when we have this mentality, this earthly mentality, we are living below the proximity with which God wants us to live by. You are living below the authority that is within you. It's like, it's like being a part of the Million Mile Club or whatever, and you have all these perks. You, it's like being a, a part of a, the Sky Club or whatever. Uh, you, have all, you, you get all these miles, but you don't use any of the perks of being a part of that. You spend all this money on a credit card. You pay it off every month. You get all these bonuses and whatnot, but you, do, you never go enjoy the Sky Lounge. You never enjoy, for, you sit in the back of the plane when you got access to first class tickets. That is what it's like when you are operating with a church mentality and not a kingdom mentality. I'm afraid that the 21st church, the 21st century church is operating like that. You know, when you go through the Bible and Jesus talks about healings and deliverance, it's always connected to and the kingdom 
is in operation. Or when you see these things, the kingdom is in function. Well, if you're not seeing them, then you must ask yourself, what, is, what are we functioning in? If we are void miracle signs and wonders today, then, then something's askew. And God hasn't stopped moving because the Bible says what? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if someone says that God's not moving or God's not healing, then they are speaking doctrines of devils because he is moving. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I'm going to say it again. If there are people around you that are surrounding you with a narrative that God is no longer moving, then they are speaking of doctrines or with doctrines of devils because he is still moving and he is still speaking. But I believe that the 21st century church is in a crash course with a sad trajectory. And I will I will tell you that this church will not be a church with a sad trajectory. This church has been called to be a church of power to shift a region. Come on, somebody, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. We are called to shift a region. I want you to stand up real quick and touch the back of your seat. You feel that warm spot? That is not your only contribution to the kingdom of heaven. Come on, somebody. That is not your only contribution to the church. That is not your only contribution to what God is doing in the earth today. And we got too many people coming into church acting like it's a country club. This ain't another country club. This ain't the Kiwanis Club. This is not uh, come and see a, a dog and pony show. If you want to do that, go two hours down the road and watch the show up in Gatlinburg. But you are called to be a part and a citizen of the kingdom operating, which means there's some work to be done. You are not in the church, and I'm not talking about this church, I'm talking about, uh, I'm talking about the church at large, so please understand what I'm saying, because we are here to serve. So, so that's first, let me, let me just say that, we are here to serve. But when you become a part of the kingdom, your mindset shifts from being served to how can I serve? How can I serve you, God? How can I serve your kingdom? How can I serve? And we, see, that's the thing. The church mentality, church, the westernized church mentality is feed me, feed me, feed me, wait on me, wait on me, serve me, serve me. And that is, that, the reason for that is because the church has been conditioned because we're void power. Think about this. If you had, if you had healing in your hands because you understood your citizenship, if it was in your, and that's what it is, it's a revelation. That's the only thing keeping you from miracle signs and wonders is the revelation of the kingdom. And so imagine if you had healing in your hands, but you never ran around doing anything with it. Think about this for a second. If you, if you had uh, the ability to cast devils out, but you never operated in it, or, and you just sat on that thing, waiting to be served, the reason why we have gotten it in our minds where we're here to be served is because we have nothing to offer the kingdom because we have, or we are void a proper mentality about what the kingdom really is. We talk about this kingdom and we we act like it's in, you know, the church is America and the kingdom's international. That's what people think. You start talking about the kingdom and they're, oh, that, that's that Uruguayan church. That's that kingdom church. Oh, you're talking about the kingdom. Oh, that's, the, that's that church over there over in uh, uh, Bulgaria. That's, the king, that's our kingdom brothers, right? No, 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 no. We are all called to be the kingdom church. And it's in that revelation where there is power. Say Power. Power. Power, power. You see, what happens is, is when we condition ourselves that this is a social club, we come in for 45 minutes or so, we get a fix and then we walk out and Monday's the same. We return to life with the same mess waiting on us when we leave this building. Lives surrounded by cycles of depression, addictions, anxieties, vices, lives that are overwhelmed with sickness and lack. 
Look at your neighbor one more time and say, this is a kingdom church. I, you got to get this. You see, Jesus' message was of the kingdom. In fact, the phrase the kingdom of God was or appears 53 times alone in the New Testament. 32 times in just the gospel of Matthew alone. I think that's pretty important. And we don't talk about the kingdom. We don't talk about the kingdom. We don't talk about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. We, we don't talk about these things. You see, there's two, there's two kingdoms. There's a kingdom of darkness that is operating and in full function in this earth. And then there is the kingdom of heaven, which is God's kingdom. And you see, the, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is an extension of the rule of heaven. This is a Bible study. It's okay. It's okay. We'll holler and spit in a minute. This is, uh, the kingdom is an extension of the rule of heaven. It was established here on the earth back in Genesis. Look at your neighbor and say Genesis. This is, we're just doing Bible study. Genesis. You have this kingdom that God looked at this earth and said, I, wanna, I, want, to, I want to employ my kingdom right there. I, wanna, I want my kingdom to be in full force and full function right there. So he goes ahead and he puts form to what was formless and fills what was void with everything that, and let me say this, if, you, if it's here and God was implementing his kingdom here, then he put what was heaven or what, or what you see in heaven. Or what, people say, you're going to see animals in heaven? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. The Bible tells us that. So he took what was there and put it here. And then he said, you know what? I need somebody to govern this. I need someone to rule over this. I need someone in this place uh, that is of this place to have authority over it because it's an illegal thing for you to walk into some place that you have no citizenship of and take authority over it. So what he did was he looked at the dirt and he says, you know what? You know, it'd be really funny when Satan and a third of his angels were kicked out of heaven and they came to earth, the very dirt that he ate when he landed here, I pick up and I say, and breathe the ruach of life into that dirt, that mud, and made man. He breathed life into the dirt and made, he breathed ruach. Come on, somebody. He breathed his spirit into man and life came forth. And that word spirit, that word breathe is spirit. It is the authority of God. It is the, the Ruach, the authority of heaven. And he blew that into the lungs of Adam and said, okay, now you have authority to rule and reign. Now, you have now I give you the life and the authority necessary to rule and reign and have dominion over all of these things. And then he says, you know what? It's not good that you be alone. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you to sleep. I'm going to pull a rib from you and I'm going to make you a helpmeet. Someone who's going to run with you and have authority with you. And you see, if you look at the, the way that God operated and functioned, he created a thing, named a thing, created a thing, named a thing. He says, you know what? I like this. This is called light. I'm going to call it light. And it was light. I'm going to call this thing darkness when I separate it from the light and it's going to be known as darkness. The same thing with Adam. He said, Adam, I want you to name all these things. You have the same authority, Adam, as I do because he was created in the image of God. The triune Godhead, by the way, the Trinity, the triune Godhead it said there was, and there was God, Genesis one, and there was God, I'll say there was God. There was the spirit of God who brooded over the deep. And then he says, let us make man in our image. Who does man look like? His son, Jesus. So let's just get that straight right there. There's an authority in the understanding of the triune Godhead. We are Trinitarians. We believe that they're, all three are one and there's a power in that. So I just got to get that straight because as we, as we lay the customs of the kingdom, it is important to have full understanding and revelation of what that is that we believe. We got a lot of people running around here without knowing what they truly believe. They really don't know that I'm not, I'm not talking about here. We got a great preacher and a great apostle in this house. So I'm not saying that, but at the church at large, we got a lot of people who don't know what's in this book. 
You ask them, yeah, I'm a Christian, sure. How many people watch them Facebook videos and those TikTok videos and whatnot? And they're like, you know, somebody go, they're, they're like, uh, so, so are you, you, who, you know, what do you believe? It's like, I'm a Christian. Well, do you know who Jesus is? Wasn't well, he like a president? Was, it, was he not like a pre? I mean, I, I, how many people watch that? They have no idea what they believe or, or why they believe it. They just, they just believe it. They believe foolishness and heresy. And this house is going to operate and function in truth because there's an authority and power that comes when you know the truth. So Adam names these things until one day a deceiver slithers into the garden and he whispers in the, Eve's ear and says, hey, wouldn't it be nice if you were like God? Wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't you like that? She said, well, that's a grand idea. I would like that. We don't know where Adam was in this story. Well, I will tell you this. Be intentional with your wife because if not, a snake will take her on a dinner date. But, but, but he's sitting here and he, he hears, God, God hears this. Don't, don't think for one second that God does not know what's going on. And she is deceived and she says, hey, this is really good. And look, I'm not dead. Like God said, I was going to die. So he goes and he eats. And then all of the authority that they had, the kingdom that had been established is now being destroyed. All of the authority that they had is no longer present. Now, now they've lost their place. That's why when God comes into the garden, he says, where are you, Adam? He was not asking where he was. He's saying, where are you? Because you're not where I put you, which was in authority. Where are you, Adam? Why are you not where I put you? Why are you not where I put you? I put you in charge of all of this to keep dominion over it, to, to subdue it. To multiply and be fruitful. And here you are and you gave it away. Where are you? And I feel the spirit of God asking me this question to ask some of you in this room. Where are you? Where are you? Look at your neighbor and say, where are you? I'm giving, you have to have context to where I'm going. You say, boy, this is, this is, a, lot of, this is a lot of talking and teaching. Uh, trust me, I wish I could just holler. It's easier. In Acts chapter 2, we see from Genesis to Acts chapter 2, there is a disturbance. There is a separation. There is a, there is a, uh, a, a cataclysmic event that took place that left man outside of the authority and power that he had been placed in until Jesus shows up. Come on, somebody say, look at your neighbor, say, God's always got a plan. So Jesus comes on the scene and he walks with these disciples teaching about the kingdom because he did not teach much about church. He taught about the kingdom. In fact, you'd very rarely see Jesus hanging out with the three-piece suits. Come on. Come on. Now, I like to wear a three-piece suit every once in a while. So, But, but, but he's, not, he's, he's not hanging out with the Pharisees and the scribes. He's, he's hanging out with those who are in need. So who those, those who only the kingdom can change. Those, because what happens is when the kingdom enters the scene, it has the capacity to change and shift everything. There are people who, uh, you, oh God help me. There are people who walk around and they are addicted. There are people who walk around and they are uh, full of anxiety. There are people who walk around and they are, have all kinds of issues. I would, I'm going to go out on a limb here, but if I know that the kingdom will change everything, then they've not been introduced to the kingdom nor its king. You walk around this city and you wonder why there's so many churches, but yet there's so many people who are addicted. Oh, come on. I'm on, I'm on, I'm on metal right now. Why? Why is this? Why is this like this? Because we're not operating at the, the level, yeah, kingdom level. The level that God has called us to operate and function at. So, 
2 Corinthians says that while we do not look at these things or the things which are seen, but at the things that are not seen. Now, let me, let me say this. That's an oxymoron. That just sounds dumb. Let's just be real. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. What does that even mean? You're telling me not to look at the things that I can see and look for the things that I cannot see. Because we, we are in a, an invisible kingdom. And it is actually more real than the chair that's keeping you off the ground right now. But we, we don't have the understanding of this. So because we are looking at these things which are tangible but temporal, we are not capable of understanding the things that are powerful and eternal. And where we should be focusing all of our attention are the, are, is on the things that we cannot see, which is his kingdom. Because when you focus on those things, then you can begin to shift what you can see. The issue is that most people stop at faith. You see, faith, when I'm, I'm not talking about faith for salvation. We, we, we've hit that already. There are so many people who, who uh, this, is, this is not that. Faith for salvation is not what I'm talking about. Salvation and his kingdom are two different things. I know people looking at me crazy right now. This is not heresy. It's in your Bible. Salvation means I'm making heaven. His kingdom means his heaven is on earth right now and it's in full force. And as an ambassador, now we don't understand this lingo because we are a part of a democracy. But he is the ruler of a kingdom. You see, we vote. <laughs> There's no voting in heaven. There is no voting when there's a king on the throne. What God says is what God says. So when God says a thing, there is no debating what God says. And that's a good thing. Because when God says you're healed, there is no demon in hell that can debate whether or not you are healed. When God says you're delivered, there is no debating with Satan that you ain't delivered. When God speaks, he speaks and it is so. Jesus, when we, when, and this is where we, we teach this, the church teach, when you, when you have, you know, how many people want to get saved, you, okay, and then they come down, and that's where it stops. What is, who is Jesus? What does the Bible say that Jesus is? He is the door. I ain't never walked through no door and fell out the backside of the house. I used to tell a joke about that. Your family's so poor that your house so small that when you walk in the front, you fall out the back. Yeah, come on. I shouldn't have told that. But the fact of the matter is, is that the door is the entrance. The door is the start. And it's not the start of religion. It's the start to his kingdom. Come on. It's the start to his kingdom. He is the start to his kingdom. Now, we get that and we think, well, this is it. We, we get that and we're like, oh yeah, this is it, this is it. But then we wonder why all hell is breaking loose in our lives. And it was actually easier before we got saved. Come on, somebody. Because how many know when you start coming to church, that's when real problems start showing up? Let me say it this way. When you start coming to a kingdom church, that's when real problems start showing up. That's when babies start getting fevers. That's when the wife has got all kinds of sickness. That's when the car payments backed up. You lose the job. Come on, somebody. That's when the kids start going nuts is when you really walk through the door. And then people backslide because they're like, this is easier out in the world. I ain't got it because they're, they've stepped into religion and not the kingdom. You see, as we enter the kingdom, we know that God wants to move us beyond the door. Not beyond or away from the door, but deeper into the door. Deeper into who he is. He wants to take us to the deep places in who he is. God's, God doesn't like shallow places. When Jesus is out there, he says, you know what? Launch me out into the deep because that's where miracles happen. Launch me out into the deep because that's where, that's where things start to shift. But that's also where storms start to brew. If you've got some storms in your life, it's a pretty good indicator that you're moving. Because if you ever go back to the disciples and start to look at the stories, I ain't never seen a storm take place while they're sitting in the streets. Go read the stories. 
When you start moving and you start taking territory, when the soles of your feet start touching territory, things start happening and storms starting. Storms start starting. But we know that he's moving us from glory to glory because this is what 2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us. And just like it is here in this realm, in this seen realm, the things that we can see, there are certain prerequisites and requirements before we can step beyond the borders and boundaries of a nation's kingdoms. And it is likewise in God's kingdom. There are prerequisites. How many people travel in here? How many people have traveled abroad? How many people have traveled and had a, you got a, a passport and you got to go and there's something that you go through and it's called customs, right? I've spent 15 years traveling with Pastor Kevin in a good portion of those places that we've gone were international. And every time we go away internationally, we have to go through those customs. And that's why you see all this right here. And this is our, this is our facilities team. They made me my very own RTTN uh, metal detector. How cool is that, right? Come on. But when you go through customs, customs is a multifaceted organization. There's multiple reasons for why it exists, but one of those reasons is because when you go through customs, it's so that you understand and agree and adhere to the customs of the nation that you're stepping into. And so you have to go through these customs and the border patrol is there and they ask you, hey, what you doing here? What business do you have here? Why, what, what you got going on? And they want to know. And if you ask or answer the wrong question, they're not going to let you come in. And then they ask you a couple more questions like, what you bringing with you? Come on. And this is where this is all going, because in order for us to understand why God is the way that he is with us and how to move to the deep places which he's calling us to, we have to understand the concepts of his customs. So we go through this border patrol and they ask us, what do you got? What is it that you have with you that you're trying to bring into this place and why are you even here? Now you see, it didn't, faith is the ticket to get there. Faith is the ticket to get there. Look at your neighbor and say, faith is the ticket to get there. It gets you on the plane, but it does not mean that you could go beyond the walls of the borders. Just because you got there doesn't mean that you're going to have access. Faith is the ticket that will get you there, but there are some prerequisites each time you move from glory to glory. Is this all right? I know this ain't hollering. I would have rather hollered. I would have rather spit and we shouted and we would have jumped around and leaped all over over some really amazing scripture, but that's not what God wanted to do today because I believe what God's doing in this house is to shift this region and the only way to shift this region is if we have ambassadors of his kingdom in full authority and full function. So faith is the ticket we got a lot of people that because they have faith that Jesus died, they just think that they can move freely within his kingdom. But that's not how this thing works, y'all. You see, there's a little convicting thing that happens inside of you. The Holy Spirit starts to speak at the very beginning of your relationship with who he is. And there's some things that you, he's like, man, I, most of the time is smacked with the love of who he is. You live in outside of his love and you've never had the embrace of who he truly is. And then all of a sudden you encounter a loving God that you never knew could have existed. And the love that he has for you is greater than anything you've ever experienced or encountered. And that is usually the thing that pulls you into a relationship with him. But there are prerequisites from moving at that place to go deeper and beyond. And so... Today, this is, that was in all introduction, and we're not, I'm, I'm, I know it was a lot, but it, we have to talk about this to understand the concept of the kingdom. You see, the scripture that I read is that the kingdom suffer violence and the violent take it by force. Do you know what that means? That means that you will fight for the kingdom. You will be willing to fight 
to, to institute and implement the kingdom in the earth. It means that when the atmosphere don't feel right, you say, I don't care it don't feel right. I am going to exercise the kingdom wherever I'm at. It, it doesn't matter what it feels like around me at the cubicles at work. I am going to implement, I'm going to fight for the kingdom. I am going to fight for the atmosphere of his kingdom. The violent take it. The violent take it. It's worth taking. It's worth fighting for. But we want these, we want these, 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 these access points without having to put up the fight. We don't want to fight. We've become lackadaisical. We've become complacent. We've become soft. Our hearts have waxed cold for the things of God, and we don't want to put forth the effort that, that is necessary to grab a hold. Do you think about this? I think we got it pretty easy. I think we got it pretty easy. Jesus died for it, as did the disciples. Okay? And here we are, the, Israel, right now. They're holding on to something that they're fighting for. And we just kind of float around and the air conditioning don't feel right. We're like, oh, that's a little too much for me. But we will, we're willing to go to the Vol Stadium and fight all kinds of hell to watch a football game. I know I'm stepping on toes. I'm sorry. I'm going to get back to the lectern. My bad. But the fact is, is that we don't want to fight for anything. I want you to turn with me to Matthew 19, 16. I'm going to get out of your hair real quick so we can get to the buffet. But this is important. There's a story over here about a rich young ruler. And the story goes that there was this rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and says, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And Jesus says, hey, why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. Uh, but if you want to enter the kingdom of life or enter into life, keep the commandments. He says to him, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man says, all these things I have kept from my youth, but what do I still lack? Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when your young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Selah. But when the young man heard the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had many great possessions. First, I want to mention this. It says that It says in the Greek, it, it actually means that what, it wasn't that he had, it's that his possessions had him. Now, the Bible says in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom. See, that's, that, that right there, that, that's your first indicator. When you have things that actually you don't own, but they own you. And that's about the place where most pastors, when, when he went away sorrowful, would have chased after him and been like, what can I do to make you happy? What can I do to keep you in the church paying your tithe? What can I do to, to, to appease you? What can I do? What can I do for you? What can I do? What kind of uh, concepts can I change for you? What kind of things can I shift for you? But Jesus watched him walk away. The one who loved him, Jesus loved him, watched him walk away. And there are some things that we are holding on to. This is, this is it. There are some things that we're holding on to. There are some things that we're holding on to that are keeping us or preventing us from moving into what God has for us because we don't have those things. Those things have us. And it doesn't even have to be possessions. Whatever stands between you and what God has for you and the anointing that you're called to. I see so many gifts in this room right now. I see so many gifts in this room, so much anointing. I, I already see this region shifting. 
I already see the region changing. But it's only going to happen with you. And I see so many. And the enemy tries so hard to fight you and be violent against you to keep you outside of exercising the kingdom of heaven. So if you're taking notes, I'm going to go ahead because I just want you, I'm going to say three things and we're out of here. One of the things I really felt like the Lord told me to come up here and say was, you can't take people. You can't take people. There are certain people in this room that are trying to take people with you. And you can't take people with you where God's going or where God's trying to take you on your faith. There are some things that God says, hey, I want to bring you here and that you pay the price for. And because you paid the price, you think that you've got general admission for whoever you want to bring with you. But let me tell you something right now. They can't go with you because what will wind up happening is they will keep you back. Gavin, where are you? Caleb, come here. Oh, y'all, give me life. Robbie, come here. Man, I'm just looking. Gary, come here. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Chop, chop. Gavin, I'm not talking to everybody else like that. Gavin's my son, so I can do that. So right up here, I got this metal detector, right? And I was going to call this thing checkpoint because uh, that's what it is. We get to checkpoints in our life with God. Faith is the door, but in order for us to continue to move from glory to glory, there are checkpoints that God starts to put some things on our heart and you start to feel the conviction of the Holy Ghost and he says, you know what? That can't go with you or this can't go with you. They can't go with you or that can't go with you. I'm calling you to a higher place and it doesn't mean that who you're running with is bad. I mean, it could, but it doesn't necessarily mean that who you're running with is bad. It just means that they were there as scaffolding and they can't go with you the rest of the way. Let's all try to squeeze through this thing. Now, don't break my, don't break my thing, but let's go. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, everybody. Let's all try to go through this joker together, right? No, 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 that's what happens. We can't get through this thing together. Sometimes there are some people that you want to take with you that God says they can't go beyond this checkpoint. They cannot go where you're going because they're not, they've not paid the price or the sacrifice. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't stop or that we stop praying for them and we, we stop all communication. But I will say this, if they are hanging out at Hooters and they are hanging out at the bar and you're trying and drinking and having all kinds of whatever and you're trying to go where God's taking you, it's probably a good thing to maybe not call them on Friday night. I've seen it too many times where we try to missionary date. Go ahead, guys. We try to missionary date. What's missionary dating? I'm going to date that lost person in hopes that I, say, I, I can save them. You can't save nobody, first off. The Bible says what? If you are not evenly yoked, right? Unevenly yoked, right? If a house divided will not stand, right? Come on. And there's some folk that you want to take people who have no desire to see you go there. There are people that secretly keep you close just to watch you fall. Sometimes it's lack of faith or disobedience. When you read uh, in Joshua chapter 5, there were these men. They were called the men of war, and they died in the wilderness on the way. Why? Because of their disobedience. Who were they warring against? They were warring against God. And there are people who, uh, let's just be real. You You had 12 spies. Only two came back with good report. They were warring with the word of the Lord. And there's some people in this room that there are people that you're connected to who have been warring against the word of the Lord for your life. I'm talking to you, young people. Don't allow yourself to be connected to people who won't push you through. Don't be connected to people who will try to keep you from going through the checkpoints that God has for you. Get rid of your Rolodex. You don't even know what that is. Get rid of your uh, contact list and your, your phone of people who are not for you. Because there are people who are trying to keep you from the anointing and what God has for you. There are people that are trying to call you away from what God has in store for you. 
Acts 15, Paul and Barnabas, it says they were separated. That's why I'm saying it doesn't necessarily have to be like they're, oh, let's go party and turn up. No, it's just they're not going where you're going or where you're called to. There was a season in my life where I was really good friends with some folk. And I had to have a real heart to heart because God, God called me away from them. They, were, they went to church. They preached messages. They were, they were on their way to uh, whatever God had for them. But God said, I do not want you running with them. I had to have a sit-down conversation. I pulled Pastor Kevin because i never done that before. I'm like, how do I tell a church person that I, like, we can't be friends no more? Like, what I do to you? Nothing. I, you know, God, God said, I mean, I learned how, I got better at that. But at the beginning, I had to actually have, sit down with Pastor Kevin and have that conversation because he wasn't going where I was going. And if I would have stuck that out, I would have taken bad advice because let me tell you something. There are people who will tell you to kick down doors Come on. And there are people who will tell you, wait for God to open that door. Look at your neighbor say seeds. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, Dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. They do these things, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Now, let me tell you something. You never jump off a diving board head first into those things. What happens is, is they start as a seed. There's a question on declaration form 6059B. That is the customs form. There's a question, number 11. It asks you, do you have any seeds to declare? Why do you think that this is important? Now, I've been places where they want to know if I'm carrying seeds and I'm thinking, or fruit. You can't carry no fruit or no seeds. Now, we've been listening to Pastor Kevin talk about apples, right? And there are orchards in ap or orchards in an apple seed, right? Well, it's the same thing for these things I just read to you. And we try to get into a, his kingdom or we try to go where God wants us to go, taking things with us that have no, uh, they have no, no, no bearing. They, have, they, they're not, they can't even go past this line. There are things that, that you have a hard time because you see them as a seed, but God sees the weed. You see it as a seed and God sees it as the weed that will choke out, choke out because it's an invasive species. It's invasive. It can't go where you're going because you're a kingdom person. And God says those things cannot come in to the kingdom with you. So you go over to this and they ask you, do you have any seeds? And you say, I don't, I don't think so. And then you don't even realize it. You don't, sometimes when we, we don't even realize the things that we carry. Sometimes we're carrying things with us without the knowledge because it's so buried deep within us. Sometimes it's because of things we went through when we were a child. Sometimes it's there because of trauma. Sometimes it's, but if we don't identify it and allow God to deal with it, then we are stuck on this side of what God has for us when he's trying to push you through to what you are called to do. So you go through and you're like, I don't know. I don't know. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What is, what is all? I, oh, I can't go through because I got all these seeds. I got all these things. I got bitterness. I got malice. I got anxiety. I got, I got anger. I got, I got all these things within me. I got, come on somebody. I, I'm looking at things I ain't supposed to look at. I'm supposed to be, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And here we are holding on to things that God says, I can't allow that to go with you because where there's a seed, there are roots. And where there are roots, there becomes a tree. And where there is a tree, we'll become a stumbling block between you and what I have for you. All of these things start as seeds. Proverbs 22 says the seeds of evil. Seeds of evil. Do you think we just woke up one day and everything was just the way that it was and, and it's all, no, it starts as a seed. And when that seed is watered, you have to ask yourself, if there are things like that growing in you, then who's doing the watering? Yeah. 
Who's doing the watering? What are you allowing to water what's there instead of letting God route it out? Stand with me. Somebody come help me. Seeds of evil will produce the grain of sorrow. And let me say this too. That same form, that same question is like six, five or six different questions. One of the questions that's on that is soil. Have you been near any soil? As I always thought that's a weird question. But there's a Bible verse that talks about soil. It actually talks about where you've walked if you're not accepted. And there's some even some people in here who you've tried to go to where God's called you to go to, but you have the dust on you from yesterday. You got some dust on you. You ain't even, you don't got no seeds on you. you you've gotten all that under the blood. You, you're, you're, you're on your way where you need to go, but there's some dust on your life. Bible says, and whoever shall not receive you nor hear your words when ye depart out of that house or city. Shake off the dust of your feet. Shake off the dust of your feet. NIV says, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your honor, 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 honor. Shake the dust off your feet when you leave that place. Why? Because it can't go with you. Because it'll, it's a contaminant. It sticks with you. There's some people in this room right now who you, you've been dishonored. There's some people in this room right now that there's been some malicious intent against you. And you've walked with the soil or the dust from those things. There's some people in this room right now that you were done wrong and it caused some wounds inside of you and you've been carrying the dust with you. And it's the dust that reminds you of what you had to go through. So there has been a, a, a preventative to your healing because you are allowing this dust. Every time you walk around, every time you get home and you kick your feet up on the lazy boy, you, you look at your feet and you remember what you walked through. Right now, every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around. I'm not going to come get you. I'm not, I'm not doing an altar call for salvation. I, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not even going to call you down here. God's going to do it. God's going to do it where you stand. If there are some people who have been dealing with some hurt, some dust, in your life, I'm going to deal with that first because that's what I feel the Spirit of God moving on. If there's some people right now in this room that you have, you've been through some things in the residue of what you've been through is still on your life, I just want you to slip your hand up real quick. I'm not going to call you down. We're not going to, I'm going, we're going to pray for you where you are, but I want to see who I'm praying for. Yep, I see hands all over the place. Now put your other hand up right beside it. There are hands up all over this room. Father, right now, if everybody up, look at me, look at me, look at me. If there's somebody with your hands lifted up right now, I just want you to gently lay your hand on their shoulder. Gently put your hand on, your sho on their shoulder. They're, they're a you're a conduit of glory. Right now, in the name of Jesus, residue. Oh, right now, the Holy Spirit is cleaning the residue off of you right now. And I just declare and decree that today there is a shift and you are stepping into who you're called to be. There is a kingdom shift happening in your life. And God says, after today, I am moving you from glory to glory. I am moving you to who I've called you to be. Oh, there's somebody in this room that's been called names we always been told sticks and stones will break my bones but names will never hurt me but the names hurt the names hurt you 
I feel like somebody was a fatherly figure and names hurt you. Whether it was dumb, stupid, it was, a, it was, it was hurtful. And right now the residue of that thing is breaking off of your life right now. Pray with me. Pray with me, family. Pray with me. Father, right now, right now, Father, we just declare, we declare, Father, the oil of heaven would wash them, Father, clean. I ask you, Father, that you would clean the dust before there's a seed, before the dust causes a seed of bitterness. A seed of malice, a seed, Father, right now in the name of Jesus. And if there are those that are in this room that the dust did cause a seed, but the dust made a deposit, and that the seed was planted in their heart, and the enemy is watering that seed, I just declare that it be broken over their lives right now. I destroy the seed. I destroy the seed right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Destroy the seed. There's somebody in this room right now that you are in a relationship and you're trying to take this person with you to where God is calling you to. And you know in your heart under the conviction of the Holy Ghost that you can't do it. There might even be uh, years of, of memories that you, you, you've been struggling with. But God says, what I have for you is greater. What I have for you is greater. I see this in the spirit. You're having a hard time grabbing a hold of God's hand because you're still trying to hold on to theirs. There's just things breaking off of people's lives right now. There are things breaking off of people's lives right now. Will we be doing church as usual? That mindsets would change. 